In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution coming to you from Chester, Pennsylvania, where Atlanta United defeated the Philadelphia Union 2 to nothing. The five stripes look much better than did the wireless here at Talent Energy Stadium, and they did in the 3-2 loss on Wednesday at Dallas. The wired internet, too, wasn't so great. Yeah, the wired internet also uh, looked about like the car fire that was on the interstate <laughs> just down the road from the stadium in the first you, half. I would have told you guys to, to, to bring a hard wire. I was surprised it was that bad. That's usually what I end up doing. Yeah, we lost our uh, call for a little bit. That okay. Here. You're, you're hearing a new voice, a new guest to the podcast. Or a very old guest. Uh-huh. In addition to Jason Longshore of 92.9 and SoccerDownHere.com, who is a consistent guest post-game, other than when he goes big time on television oh, and doesn't <laughs> want to talk to us anymore. Still getting into that. I'm, we're joined by Jonathan Tannenwald, otherwise known as a goalkeeper on Twitter, from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Great to be here. Yes. I hear a lot, but, you know. Great to be with you guys. So let's take care of some housekeeping here super fast. Uh, Joseph Martinez with his 18th goal of the season and the 58th minute on a penalty kick won by Miguel Amaron, fouled by Andre Blake, who only received a yellow card that Jonathan could tell us a little bit more about in a minute. And the second goal came from Hector Villaba in the 76th minute. Miguel Amaron was given an assist, and now I see they'd added the secondary assist to Joseph Martinez. I think that's his second in three games and Correct. maybe three or four for the season uh, for the Golden Boot front runner. I want to get Jonathan's take on this first because this to me was a typical Atlanta United game and a typical Atlanta United result. You watch it and you think to yourself, my goodness, they should be losing this three to one, four to one, something like that. But they end up winning two to nothing. It's just kind of a pattern that you see this season. The defense has some hold-your-breath moments, but the other teams don't score. Oh, gosh, where should I start? <laughs> well, you fine gentlemen don't have to watch C.J. Sapong be able to score <laughs> on a weekly basis. I ride him very hard. It is well-established, I think, by now. Even to folks who don't live in Philadelphia that I ride him very hard. <laughs> And the reason why I ride him very hard is because he's a starting striker in Major League Soccer. And that's the position that pays the bills. And that's the position that no matter the team gets ridden the hardest. Right. Uh, if I covered a team every week that had Joseph Martinez on it, I would not have to ride him very hard because he puts the ball in the net. And he puts the ball in the net a lot and he puts the ball in the net very well. And I just thought coming into this game, you know, I knew what the union could do in central midfield. Having Harris Madunian in back with Borak Dochkal and Alejandro Bedoya, that's a really good, I'd say even a, a high level by MLS standards. It's one of the Central best midfield triangle. Sure. But one team had Joseph Martinez and one team had CJ Sapong. And that, again and again and again, is what it comes down to. 
with this union team. And, you know, if you have, imagine, I mean, Leandro Gonzalez Perez and Michael Parker are very good center backs. Imagine how good Mark McKenzie and Austin Trusty would look with that Atlanta attack plan in front of them because McKenzie and Trusty, who are these teenage kids in their first years in MLS, who are products of the Union's Academy and U.S. Youth National Team prospects, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of a debate this week that Trusty's not a, a Rookie of the Year candidate because he signed his professional contract a year ago. He just, by choice, never played in MLS. Uh, last year, which makes him the Ben Simmons in Major League Soccer in some ways. <laughs> um, and I went through this with Atlanta fans last year about Jack Elliott and, 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 and Julian Gressel and the fact that one of them plays for a team with more fans than the other. Right. But look, the, the you win in this league, and this is what you know, everybody loves to laud Atlanta United's front office for very good reason. Obviously, they got a ton of money. Everybody knows that. But they're smart enough between Carlos Bogenegra and Darren Eels and everybody else down there. You win in this league with your targeted allocation money and your designated players. You win in the NBA by tanking for five years so you get a bunch of first-round draft picks, and then you go and sign a free agent. Sorry to any Hawks fans or <laughs> Sam Hinky haters out there listening, but that's what you do. You win in the NFL, you can blow up your team every year and go outside whoever you want in free agency. You win in Major League Baseball by developing pitchers and going out and signing a big bat. You know, whatever you end up. You win in Major League Soccer with your academy kids and your targeted allocation money and your designated players. And that's why Atlanta is doing it right and has been getting praise from a lot of people. And the union, to their credit, when they went out and got Borg Dojko, they finally went out and got a player that made them more better over the course of the offseason than some of the other teams that are in that sort of four to eight range in yeah. the East. David Akam has been a flop, which boggles my mind, but he's out of the starting lineup on merit. Dojkal has been really good. He needed a little while to mesh in, but he's been really good, and his vision with the ball is very clear. Then you have a guy up front, C.J. Spong, who just is not good enough. And that has been the difference for them. The the Jim Curtin loves, and all the whole union staff like to razz me for always asking about Spong, but I, I go through every week, and some of your listeners and readers who follow me on Twitter know this, I spend a lot of time charting the really dumb misses that Sapong has. I wouldn't have to do that if I was covering Joseph Martinez every week. Yeah. Every, Week because even if he had a couple of dumb misses, he'd still be putting the ball in the net at least once every game, not or every two games. You know, more than enough to justify being what he is. And that on a night like that, when you're Atlanta, that can be the difference. It was though. I think it was Doge Call who missed from 12 yards. I knew it as nice soon as the ball. Back. He knew as soon as the ball left his foot. And I, I and was thirty re- seconds later. Yep. Down uh, down goes Andre Blake. Yep. And, and, and I was remarking to someone uh, waiting on Joseph Martinez tonight to talk to him that that's kind of the difference between a major league soccer player right now and those in the better leagues in Europe. The guys in the better leagues in Europe at least put that shot on goal. And Doge Call put it 
way Doge, over Doge Cobb puts that shot on goal a lot in yeah. his defense. Yeah, just, yeah, but that, that, that goes to my point about this is kind of an Atlanta United game. The other team had chances, just didn't take advantage right. of theirs. Atlanta United took advantage of this. You, you asked earlier, by the way, about uh, why Blake only got a yellow card instead of a red card. Yeah, yeah. I went down to introduce myself to Ishmael Elfath and ask him about that. The, the letter of the law changed a couple of years ago. This is what I was thinking. And if you are judged to be playing for the ball uh, and you commit a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity foul with a goalkeeper, if you're judged to be playing for the ball, you get away with the yellow card. Right. And Alfath judged that Blake was playing for the ball. Yeah. They used to be right. a lot more strict about that and sending right. guys off, and they've loosened the reins a little bit on it now. It's the right call because I mean it was a he was trying to make a play on the ball. He's late. It's dog so, but instead of the triple penalty of the red, the penalty, and the suspension, it actually came back. Somebody asked on Twitter about the Brad Kazan red card. Right. And that one's borderline because that might have been a red period because it was studs up. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it was outside the box right. is why that was a red and this one was not because it was in the box and you're not going to do the triple punishment. Um, in general tonight, I thought Atlanta United was good, not great. I thought second half was, was better. Uh, only three shots on goal for Philadelphia tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, Brad Kazan, 18 shots total. 18 shots total. Three on goal. And I was just talking to uh, Jason Marks, nighttime host at 92.9 The Game. And, and a lot of the people at first, you see that number, clean sheet. You think Brad Kazan had a lot to do. He didn't. He, didn't. he made right. three saves. Um, it, it's one of those where I feel like Atlanta United doesn't take as many shots. Like We rarely see 18 shots from Atlanta United. But they have the patience and the belief, I think, in their attack to work to create high-quality chances, whereas other teams at times snatch for chances against Atlanta. Think to the Ezekiel Barco break. Martinez sends him in, and McKenzie did a great job coming back to cut off the angle. Yeah, there's two cutoffs. Yeah. both yeah, McKenzie cuts off the angle the first time. Barco cuts it back, and then Rosenberry blocks the shot. I think a lot of teams, the player would go in, force the shot, a low-percentage shot, it's either saved or it's wide. Atlanta United will try to work to create high-quality chances, and more often than not, they convert on them. They're scoring more goals than anybody in the league for a reason. Yeah. I was a little stunned that Barco didn't try to work that into a penalty kick uh, with two cutbacks, two guys sliding at him. You know what? But he didn't. He, yeah, it's really but he, interesting that he doesn't go for that. He, he rarely goes for that in the box. He was whacked a few times at midfield tonight. And the Union, by the way, have the least goals scored in the Eastern Conference, mm-hmm. which no coincidence there either, I don't think. Right. And it, 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 you know, Brad Guzan, it's funny, you're talking, the Union outshot and outpossessed Atlanta, which for years and years and years, on, nobody in this town would ever dream of them doing. Mm-hmm. And all it resulted in was Brad Guzan giving his neck muscles a good workout. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, there, there were a couple of the turning point. I thought that in the game happened didn't happen during the game. It happened at halftime. Um, Atlanta United talked about this after the game. They noticed that McKenzie and Trusty were having difficulty dealing with long passes. 
over-the-top line-splitting passes. At first, I thought Atlanta United was doing that as a reflex to clear the ball, which they didn't do against Dallas on that third goal on Wednesday. But they said, no, we noticed that they had trouble dealing with that, so they kept at it in the second half, not just kind of random boots, but passes two people, boom, two goals. Well, and one goal was from the eight, long pass. Eight high press with the kind of talent that Atlanta has, you can do that. Yeah. That ball from Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, the outside of the right-footed pass to Miguel Almiron to spring him, mm-hmm. that's the pass of the year in Major League Soccer. <laughs> and it's not going to be credited as such because it's a defender, it didn't lead to an assist. Right. That's the pass of the year. I don't know if there's another center back who can hit that ball. Um, so there was that. And then the other thing that was changed the game but happened before the game was what Atlanta United's attitude was coming into this game after what Parkhurst described as a meltdown against Dallas. Uh, Martino said he was a little bit worried about it, uh, but the players talked about they didn't want to drop consecutive games, which is something they haven't done all season. They came out, it was, in my opinion, a ragged first half. It was. It, was, it was as poor, I thought, as they played the first 30-something minutes against Dallas. They, they couldn't connect passes. They couldn't put any combinations together. They Once again, as they did against Minnesota, against the Red Bulls, really had, against Dallas, really had, against Chicago, really had some trouble with the press. Um, but they were able to figure it out, and they were able to get the three points. Um, so now they're on 40 points. They're going to finish the weekend at least five points clear of the second-place team in the East because Red Bulls and NYCFC play each other tomorrow. I should go to that. Um, I should. <laughs> you, it, you guys are lucky that you get to you know, go to games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium with 70,000 people and all that. I really want to just sit on my couch tomorrow night and have an actual day off for once, which I don't have very often. I've been to the Hudson River Derby games at Yankee Stadium and Red Bull. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, can we call it a derby? Yeah. Oh, yes. Because yes. <laughs> NYCFC is not really holding up its end of the deal. Uh, that might be about to change. <laughs> yeah. All right. I, I agree. With Jesse Marsh leaving, that might be about to change a little bit. But those games are a lot of fun. They very much get the attention of folks in New York. A Sunday night at Yankee Stadium will... Draw a big crowd. Yeah, okay. And it's, I mean, look, a lot of things in Major League Soccer sort of fall out of the sky fully formed. But I got, I went to the very first one that was a Red Bull Arena. And you did not have to tell the Red Bulls fans to dislike yeah. NYCFC. <laughs> it came very naturally to them, even though it was the first time they ever played. Now that's kind of how Atlanta Orlando has, has yeah. ended up. It was just day one. Fans don't like each other. No, it's kind of crossed over to well, now the teams don't like each other. Well, if there's if there's some Georgia fans in that Atlanta United fan base and some Florida fans, yeah, there's a few. It uh, Orlando is about to kick off at eleven o'clock. I want to. That game was supposed to be in the afternoon, and they yeah yeah that postponed. Um, I I uh, very interested to see when Miami comes into the league, how that alters the I dynamic between Atlanta I, and Orlando. Because they're coming in the league first off, Doug. Stop worrying stop about it. I, no. don't, I, don't, I was about happens. to say if... Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> My podcast, we are not talking about Miami. 
I do have the brain power to waste wow. on that team. I was just going to say, I'll be interested to see how it affects the Atlanta-Orlando rivalry. Uh, I think Atlanta and Nashville is going to be a much better rivalry than Atlanta-Orlando. I agree. Uh, in a couple of years. But anyway, other action in MLS this weekend. We can round up really quickly. Montreal, break them up. They beat Colorado 2-1. to one. Four That's in a row. Four in a row for them. They are up to sixth, if they weren't already. I think they're now up to sixth in the east. New England, a draw with Seattle, which is probably a disappointment for the Revs. They were at home. Toronto coughs up a 2-1 lead to Sporting KC for a 2-2 draw at Children's Mercy Park. No, they came back. They had a 1-0 lead. Kansas City went up to 1. Oh, okay. So they came back. back. Okay, so that's a good sign for for Toronto. My favorite whipping boy. (laughs) I love watching the highlights. Michael Bradley probably did something wrong. Not a great performance tonight. Uh, Houston is beating Minnesota two to nothing. Salt Lake is ahead of Dallas one to nothing. Dallas can't figure them out. Uh, as they, of press time, as we say in the business. Yes, <laughs> uh, as of press time, Vancouver and Chicago are tied in the 18th minute. Galaxy and Columbus are tied in the 19th minute. Giassi Zardes Derby. Yeah, yes. the Giassi Zardes Derby, which uh, I need to see the last time he scored. I think it's been a few games. It's been a little while. Um, which is part of the problem that he got into in the Galaxy. But anyway, all right, two quick questions for the guys, and then we're going to wrap up. Julian Gressel was asked tonight if Joseph Martinez is going to break the MLS single-season scoring record of 27, set by Bradley or set by Chris Wondolowski and tied by Bradley Wright Phillips. Julian Gressel said yes, he will. Jonathan, play in Seattle next week? The, he plays yeah. Seattle next week? Yes, he will. Joseph has outscored, <laughs> Joseph has outscored Seattle's mm-hmm. entire team. This season, seventeen to fifteen, or eighteen to fifteen, uh, as of right now. Raúl Ruiz Diaz will make his debut in that game. Likely, yeah. Okay. Martinez set the record. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think Atlanta sets another record too. They are on twenty points on the road right now. Right. Thirty-two in the uh, post shootout era is the record. Seattle in twenty eleven. That's twelve more points to tie it with seven games left. Five of those games against teams outside of the playoff picture right well, now. That's what I was going to say. Looking at who they've got left: Seattle, mm-hmm. Seattle at home, DC United at home, Columbus at home, at Orlando, at Colorado, mm-hmm. at San Jose. Another very good. New England at home, Chicago at home. At ample opportunity, yeah. but I'm just saying, ample opportunities for Joseph Martinez to score goals. Yeah. In Chicago, they are opening up the stadium for that one to the 70,000 again. The fifth game this season, they will do that. Fifth regular season game, they will do that. Second question, will Atlanta United break Toronto's record for points in a season? Yeah, I think which, so. Which, you remind me what that is? 69. 69. So I, I think so season. because of what Jonathan just said. Yeah. You look at the second half, well, we're, we're into the second half now, Atlanta United had played more games against top eight teams than anybody else in the league, and they're still setting the pace. Now they get to face some teams who are outside the playoff picture and lesser teams in the league. They should be able to pick up a lot of points. I think they break that record. Jonathan? Let's see here. Um, They're on 40 40 from 20 games. 14 to go. 30 points. They would have to average more than two points 
a game, which is what they're averaging. Well, they're averaging two points a game right now. Yeah, they're on two points a game right now. But the back end of the schedule is much, much easier. Uh, I think they're going to be pushed, too, a little bit more mm-hmm. than Toronto was last year. Yeah, I think Red Bulls will, is going to... We'll chase them. Sporting KC and Dallas are going to chase them for supporter shield too. Yeah, I think they're. Tell going me, to tell me out. about that. That Colorado and San Jose in five days, on the road. Right. That's the trick. Neither of those one. teams will have anything to play for, though. No, but yeah. that's going to tell you whether or not that that yeah. that travel is going to tell you whether or not they're right. Going to get there. I think they get through it. I, I think they. I think they win both of those games. I think the Concacaf Champions League in Mercedes-Benz Stadium next year is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I I can't wait to uh, have conversations with the brass at 92.9, and we've been talking about potentially covering those games on radio. Let's go to Ecuador. Well, we want to have uh, Dukes and Bell afternoon drive from Mexico City. <laughs> no, you want to have it. No, you want to have it from Kingston, Jamaica. <laughs> right, well, of course. There we go. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, Atlanta United two to one winners against Philadelphia. Goals from Joseph Martinez on a penalty kick in the eight, 58th minute. Uh, Hector Viaba in the 76th minute with his third goal this season as he starts to heat up a little bit. He's playing with a lot more confidence, I think. Five tackles tonight, Viaba. Five tackles. Okay, wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. Jonathan, what do you have coming up for your readers, and how can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter at the goalkeeper. I'm not sure I'd advise it because I tweet a lot. <laughs> uh, a couple things in the pike. I track Frankfurt's coming to town oh, next okay. week. Ricardo Clark, Timmy Chandler. Mm-hmm. Timmy Chandler's coming to town. I don't know yet if I'm going to be able to sit down with him as we record this. I hope I will. That's cool. And uh, I'm actually I'm going to talk to him in the days before and then pass the game off to one of my colleagues uh, to head up next Saturday night to Sky Blue FC host the North Carolina Courage. Heather O'Reilly's first game in New Jersey mm, awesome. since she came back to the NWSL from Arsenal. And that, in turn, sets the stage a little bit for the Tournament of Nations at the end of the month which in turn sets the stage for Women's World Cup qualifying in October, which in turn sets the stage for me to start lobbying my bosses to let me go to France next summer. <laughs> well, you speak French. And so I think your, your listeners know I follow women's soccer a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple Georgia natives threatening to be on that plane to France next summer, Kelly O'Hara. And Kelly O'Hara is one of the biggest Atlanta United fans I know. Yeah. And Morgan Bryan, who I believe is from down that way, down in South Georgia, yeah. yeah. Brunswick area. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a little depth chart on Twitter uh, earlier Saturday as we record this. And it, you know, well, stirred up a hornet's nest a little bit, as, as it tends to do. That team's got so much talent. Mm-hmm. And Jill Ellis has some big decisions to make. And by the way, I don't know when or if they're going to play in Atlanta. But I have heard some rumblings that they'd very much like to. There's not a lot of turf venues I think they'd be willing to play in. Right. Portland's obviously yeah. number one. I suspect they wouldn't mind playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium if they think they can get a big crowd out for it. I think they could. I would love to see the women's national team back in Atlanta. I'd love to see it as a precursor for NWSL down the road in Atlanta. And I think if Atlanta United as a club buys into it, Mm-hmm. Um, I think the success of Portland, obviously, the success of Utah this season is showing that it's a viable thing. And I think Atlanta United's fan base would really get behind it. They, they have, I, don't, I don't doubt they have the money. I, and I've never, I've always said there's no mandate that MLS teams have to do this. It's good for them to do it, certainly. Yeah. I, 
I approve, but there's no mandate. Um, maybe if they can go back to Kennesaw, where the beat That's possible used too. to play. Maybe some there. Play, some play a couple games in the big stadium. You know, right. you're not going to... You're not going to sell forty thousand tickets for every one of those games, it's, but but you know. I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I'm not ruling anything out with this fan base. It's crazy. No, I know, but it's. I'm real. I'm I'm realistic about sure. that, and I'd rather at least, you know, I play a couple games in Mercedes Benz, but create a little bit of demand by right playing some games. In I, I love the idea. Smaller venue, um, and obviously, there's a lot of history. In that venue with women's soccer, so um, I think that would be useful. And obviously, with the youth soccer yeah. pipeline coming out of there, it would give them something to aspire to, which would be great. So, Jason, what do you have? Uh, soccer down here Monday. It's an overreaction Monday. I don't know what people will be overreacting <laughs> about, but I'm sure there will be something. Uh, 9 a.m. to 11, blogtalkradio.com slash soccer down here. You can follow me at Longshoe, and I'll be on the call for Atlanta United 2 on Wednesday against Bethlehem Steel uh, with John Nelson on ESPN+. Plus. If you can't make it out to Cool Ray Field, watch it on ESPN+. Plus. And I can't believe I forgot to include this piece of news uh, earlier in the podcast because it's probably the most important thing I'll learn tonight. Uh Gerardo Martino said he missed his Batman cape on Wednesday against Dallas. He did. I noticed that. Um, he loves wearing the black sweater over the red shirt. I pointed out to him he didn't have it, and they lost at Dallas. He wore it tonight, and they won. And he said, yes, I missed my Batman cape. So I think you're <laughs> going to see that every game, no matter the temperature. From now on, I have posted uh, the story with quotes. I've done the player ratings, so I need to go back in and change something on LGP. Um, and Vijama, because of good points made by Jason. I'll have a follow on Joseph Martinez and his pursuit of the scoring record um, tomorrow morning. And I hope you'll follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AGC. I think you're going to have some news next week about Eric Rometty. I think he's going to join Atlanta United's training. I think you're going to get news about a green card involving an Atlanta United player to free up room. Free up an international slot for Eric Rometty from Argentina, from Banfield. Um, but I don't quite yet know who Atlanta United is going to send on loan to free up a roster slot for Eric Rometty. I think it's going to be John Gallagher, but I'm not quite sure on that yet. That's just an educated guess on my part based upon his lack of playing time with the first team and how much time he spends with Atlanta United, too. All right. That's it from Talon Energy Stadium in Chester, Pennsylvania, where Atlanta United defeated the Philadelphia Union 2 to nothing. Atlanta United with 40 points. They lead MLS. Good night. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. 
We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.